if you treat interactions with other people as transactional, they will not trust you. And mm. and in my experience, friends ask friends for favors. Friends ask friends for help. And if you're not, if you don't trust someone, <laughs> you're not friends with them. Welcome to Replay, the show that invites you to join us at the game table. I'm your host, Clara Mount. On Replay, we're building a more inclusive community by creating a space for underrepresented gamers and their allies to share their voice. We'll tell stories about our experiences and provide new perspectives that challenge our community to think differently about who we are and what we do. Replay is a Victor Media Group original. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. Today's guest is Chell Wong, an award-winning game music composer and sound designer. She's known for her work on the games Kine and Only Cans, is the audio composer for the upcoming game Whisker Squadron, and is doing sound design for the indie game She Dreams Elsewhere. Um, I'll drop links to all those games in the show notes, so check those out for sure if you are interested. But in addition to that audio work on games, Chell is also a formerly organizer of the Game Audio Boston meetup group, and is also the founder and producer of the charity EP Jam, which is an annual charity album for the nonprofit Able Gamers, Able Gamers, if I can talk today. Um, so without further ado, welcome to Replay, Chell. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so good to have you. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in with asking some questions generally about games. So Chell, what is the number one reason that people should care about games? Because games are rad. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're fun and they let you do stuff that you can't do and they're immersive and like Everyone's gaming experience is different, but you can all bond over like the same thing in a sense or like how you, how certain things affected you or how you approach different things. And there's just so many fun stories because in, in the end, all I really care about in life uh, or things that really get me excited at least are uh, stories and games and mm -hmm. video games tend to have both. So Whoa, wild. I like games. <laughs> I'm a gamer girl. Hashtag gamer girl. <laughs> so what? So what is different about narratives and games for you than like narratives and like film and all that shit? Games, games can be short, but also I think like films have to be cut or they should be cut um, to be a certain <laughs> length. Um, hopefully not, you know, shorter than three hours. Stares into the camera at certain things, but. A game can really take its time to kind of really breathe in stuff and especially world building can be very it can be a lot more natural and and feel mm -hmm. very lived in in a way that like very small details can be shown and you can see people interact in ways that like you wouldn't necessarily see in e even a book. I think also especially because like you have to make it happen. So yeah. it kind of has more impact on you because like when a struggle happens, you have to overcome that. You have to figure out a way to 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 do things and to get past certain obstacles and stuff like that. Or I think that's just how games to me are in general immersive just by nature of you being in control. And I think the stories have more impact that way or they can at least, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have to like physically move it forward, that makes sense <laughs> that you would be more attached to what's happening. And like it's more of an exploration of a story than like a strict start to finish narrative 
It's why I could never play a horror video game. Ooh. No. (laughs) Just never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) I've tried and gave up very quickly. (laughs) They're like one of my favorites, but I give up on them really easily too. Anyway, anyway, how did you first get into gaming? What What was your baby gamer life like? I had an NES growing up and, but like, all right. So the most tragic backstory is that <laughs> one time my dad got mad at my sister and I, and he threw out the NES and the <laughs> cartridge for Mario Bros. slash Duck Hunt and our pinball cartridge. And no! we cried. And to this day, it's still one of the saddest things that happened. However, I did grow up on an N64 primarily. And oh, okay. yeah, so like. We played N64 a lot. I I played Mario 64. It's still one of my favorite games to this day. I recently replayed it and got 120 stars for the first time. There (gasps) were two stars I never got, which was 100 coins for TikTok Clock and Rainbow Ride or Cruise or whichever. And then I started to do do Sunshine and then things fell off. But like I grew up on N64 and and played so many things from then forward and then GameCube and, and I just kept playing. I feel like a lot of my friends stopped playing games as I got older. Um, Mm -hmm. but I never did. Oh yeah. Same, same. Okay. So you came from like the Nintendo childhood as I like to think of it, which is also (laughs) a lot of my childhood. So what, what do you play now? What kind of games do you play? So I still play Melee. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so lately, let's see, I just finished death store, which is really good. I plan on starting Sable soon because I was really excited for that game. And I got to be an IGF jury member, which was really exciting. So I mm. got to play a bunch of games for free, but only dipped my toes in a bunch of them because I had to like, how's the audio? And I'm like, oh, I really want to come back to this later. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go back to Sable. I've been playing a lot of Guilty Gear Strive, which is fun because I get to pick up people and throw them and they just die. <laughs> um, I'm a Potemkin main. And also we, er, earlier we were talking about Outer Wilds. I'm currently playing the Outer Wilds DLC and it is blowing my mind. And I'm I'm very slowly going through some other things like near Gestalt on the PS3 and Trails in the Sky One, still even though I got it in 2019, and some other things. So yeah. Are you like a multitasking gamer? Like you're in the middle of a bunch of titles at once? I try not to be, but some <laughs> some of them are on different platforms. So like I have a few games on Switch. Oh, I'm playing Pokemon Diamond. My partner got Ooh, me Pokemon Diamond. Nice. And I've and I have not played a Pokemon game since Gold. Like old, old really? gold. Yeah. Oh. And so I'm playing Pokemon for the first time and I have a Honchcrow and she is beautiful and her name is Artemis and I have uh, Empoleon and uh, a bunch of other Pokemon like uh, a golem named Gabo and she is perfect except for the fact that I wish she had Sturdy instead of Hardhead or whatever it's called. Well, yeah, Sturdy's the best. Sturdy's really good and I don't, I, I feel too bad because I love Gabo too much to, to train another Geodude into a graveler and then trade that graveler back to have a golem only yeah i love gobo too much she's too good so what is it about all these different games that draws you into them i am a pretty broad person in terms of like my interests in games i feel like there aren't too many things that i'm not interested except for horror as i mentioned before <laughs> like there are things like i think that i'm not into racing games and that's actually just false like i love red out which is this hyperspeed racing game that's similar to f-zero and mm. like mario kart and kirby air ride is still good to this day Ooh, um i never played that one actually kirby air ride is perfect and they never made a new one and that it lives like on a to shame be, yeah. i know shame it, it i just want more kirby air ride but at the same time i still have kirby air ride and there's nothing stopping me from trying to like 
100% it, which is like really hard to do. Because you have to be good at racing, which I am not. But it's okay. Fun. It's a good game. I, I like that you know you're like I'm. I thought I wasn't into racing games, and I'm bad at them. But I actually really like them because I also think I'm not good at racing games, except for Mario Kart. I usually don't play them for that reason. So I'm gonna have to try some racing games. Is what I just learned. Anyway, <laughs> so okay, all right. So this is one of my favorite things that I always ask. Um, can you talk to me about a gaming experience that was really significant to you and why it was important? Hmm. So I remember seeing this question ahead of time, and then I forgot to think about it. But <laughs> I guess a gaming experience that was really important to me. There are a lot of things I could say. Like I could just simply say play Ghost Trick and not elaborate. I could also talk about all of the friends that I've made through gaming. I remember when I was in a really dark time, I was playing Team Fortress 2 and I made friends online. And it was uh, really, really good for me at the time because I was in a bad place. And I found people who shared a lot of interest with me and, and were there for me. I have other friends that like, I used to run a gamers club and I would play so much Smash Brothers on <laughs> Wednesday nights at college. And we would play for like three hours every Wednesday. And we'd play PM and then Smash 4 and then I quit Smash because I hated Smash 4. I also could say how I played Undertale and then later led an orchestra. It was the Gamer Symphony Orchestra and I conducted a 25 minute arrangement of Undertale. <gasps> yeah, it's got 800,000 views. Oh my God. Wait, did you arrange it and everything? No, um, oh. four people arranged it. And I helped edit some of it, but I didn't catch all the mistakes. So there are unfortunately some things that are still in the score, but I did conduct it and I helped run the orchestra. That's so cool. So yeah, a lot of really important gaming memories and experiences. And of course, there are just things that like are alone in, in a vacuum. I'm like, I played this game by myself and I loved it. And, mm -hmm. and but there are so many things that are like, I, I am social with other people through gaming. Yeah. So it sounds like games really like throughout your lifetime, they've just kind of connected you with other people and brought you together and like yeah. new experiences and shit. That's dope. Love that. Games are dope. <laughs> games are dope. That is what we're calling this episode now. Um, oh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did, what? Did games are rad as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually the new episode title. Thank you. Um, so what does gaming actually mean to you, like in an emotional sense? Um, I mean, what does it mean to me? I guess games, I think nowadays, especially, especially in the indie space, people are making experiences that either never existed or were like kind of a, a very distilled version of something that they really cared about. Mm -hmm. Um, like a hat in time is this beautiful marriage of so many things like Paper Mario Thousand Year Door humor and this cute cell shaded art and like 3D platform adventures such as Mario Sunshine, I guess is more like. But like there's a lot of like these beautiful experiences that you can go through and some of them are very simple and short. Some of them are just hilarious. And I think also gaming is a way to connect to other people, as I said. I spend a lot of time with other people in games and and talking about games and, and these memories. I, I recently connected to someone who I've been talking to a lot lately, and we were talking about these games that we used to play. Like, we used to play Heroes of the Storm and Warframe, and just, like, 
we didn't never we didn't we only met recently and so we never played these games with each other but it was like kind of wild to just like really get deep into talking about these things that i was once really into mm -hmm. and so i think there's just so much to connect with people through these things and and you can also see uh, games as a way of like self-improvement like fighting games teach you if if you want to if you want to stick with a fighting game you have to get really comfortable with losing yeah you get your ass handed to you over and over and over mm -hmm. and the only way to get better is to like get your ass handed to you and learn various ways to to beat the things that are beating you mm -hmm. and so like it it is nice in a way to just be like yeah fighting games have helped teach me to deal with losing and adversity and overcoming trials and stuff and wow this is sounding like a college application yeah <laughs> a plus yay <laughs> no that makes sense though because it's uh right gaming always teaches like fighting games especially that's persistence that's a safe place to fail too so yeah. that makes sense yeah i love that well okay so that's it for my like prefab questions for the day. Um, so first of all, thank you so much already for, for sharing some fun stories with us. Um, we're going to cut to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about game audio, freelancing, networking, all that kind of fun stuff. So stay tuned. Hey friends, have you always wanted to be a corporate sellout? Have I got the opportunity for you? Now you can buy my shirt, wear it to Friday Night Magic or your local Smash tournament, and dunk on everyone you know about how your podcasts are better than theirs. If you want to support my show, head over to bubblegumbitchcraft.etsy.com and load up that cart. Again, that's bubblegumbitchcraft.etsy.com so you can cover your shit in replay stickers and whatever else I come up with. <laughs> and hey, thanks for playing. Welcome back to Replay. We're here with Chell Wong, game music composer and sound designer. And we're actually getting ready to talk about more about game audio, first of all, but then also a little bit, we're going to talk about like freelancing and some pro networking tips, and it's going to be a good time. So Chell, let's, let's kick it off. I don't understand how audio happens for video games. So I'm wondering if you can talk me through some of the behind the scenes of like, how, how does game audio happen? I told you earlier, I also don't understand how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I'm good at it. Um, in all seriousness, I guess there's there's kind of different aspects of things. So a composer and a sound designer are probably what most people are familiar with. Some people actually don't even know the difference, but composers make music, sound designers make sound effects. And the mm. thing is, is that uh, a lot of games have sound effects that you don't necessarily notice. And mm -hmm. so I think there's kind of two aspects of sound design where it's like sound effects that you only notice when they're when they are missing or they just sound really bad. And then there are other <laughs> sound effects that just like really stick with you because they're so distinct. Mm -hmm. um, like I've been hearing melee sound effects for like 20 years and I could hear that out of context and know exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of, really of like the, the Final that. Fantasy like victory fanfare. That oh, like, yeah. Like... Well, that's like kind of music, I suppose. But there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. I, I I can think of like in Final Fantasy when your time meter is up, and so that you can actually do an action again. And there's a very distinct like the dink kind of sound. Um, I've never with, noticed that. Right, in video Ooh. games. Um, so there's another element of things which is implementation, and implementation is sometimes done by your sound designer, or it could be done by your programmer. So like with 
music and sound effects and implementation that can all be done by one person or it could be done by three different people. So gotcha. that's like another thing. And I, I guess I could talk about how like, you know, you make a bajillion assets and then someone has to code them in. Um, uh, but man. <laughs> yeah. There's also different things about like things that are dynamically affected by gameplay. So I like to write music that is layered. And so mm -hmm. kind soundtrack is both a soundtrack that layers vertically. So as you progress through new levels, uh, new mm -hmm. layers get added on top. And also everything's over the same baseline. So it's basically a modular soundtrack, which oh. I will never do again because it was hard. Oh, um, <laughs> but I also have other things like that. Like um, right now with Whisker Squadron, every song more or less has two versions, which is like the the main flying version. But there's also a boss version, which is the same song, but like with different instrumentation, usually like mm -hmm. electric guitar and bass. And it's kind of like a metal ish version of a song so that that's kind of like my specialty where like i i write kind of like bopping music as mm -hmm. i like to say and then <laughs> as as things change in the game based off of your actions it switches subtly into a new new version of the same song or or new things get added on top that it kind of like blossoms into this new thing that's beautiful i wish that more games did that because like i'm thinking i've been playing through the witcher 3 again and you know, they have really distinctive music cues. Like when you enter combat, they completely change to a different track and like whatever. And some of those transitions just feel so like, I don't know, not good somehow audio wise. <laughs> like, I don't know, not, not usually going into combat. It's coming back out of it. Sometimes it feels really weird is what I'm noticing, but I could imagine if they had done it more of like a layered thing where you just get like the more intense version of the song you were already hearing or something when you enter combat, like that would be a different experience. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, it's it is something that I kind of specialize in. And it's kind of funny because I like have a way of doing things. But like what's also interesting is every composer does things differently. And very mm -hmm. especially like unless you're in AAA, maybe most composers don't work with other composers. And so like we kind oh. of find a thing that works for us. And then if if you are a studio and you have hired a composer for one project and you're hiring another composer for another project, they might work totally differently. In fact, they almost definitely will. So I, I think like how I think about writing music and, and designing music for, for games is so different for so many other things. Like I'll, I'll be playing games and I, I, I would think about like, I don't think I could ever do this because this is not how I think about writing music. Huh. Can you give an example of something that like struck you like that? So I guess if I would point to like, specific games let's because i've been playing it uh outer wilds has been on my mind mm -hmm. um andrew prallo writes very very different music from me it's there there's an element of like this sort of like campfire element to it but also mm -hmm. a lot of things are like this sort of like ethereal sort of space music that is like this sort of ambient but also like still melodic yeah um and also outer wilds is designed to have a lot of sort of empty like there are sound effects, but there are there's not a lot of music necessarily at certain points mm -hmm. in the game, especially if you're just kind of floating around and you haven't really hit a key point of interest. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that I don't really do that, but I also in general, I'm just kind of like thinking about like what what would my music be for this point here? And so I don't really have a lot of like I don't necessarily have experience at least writing for a lot of silence and then subtly having things kind of like 
ease their way in as mm-hmm. much as it is like if there's already an existing song and it adding new layers that ease in. And so I, I don't really write like ambient stuff that much. I write a lot more like melodic songs that yeah. that just like exist in, in whatever space. Mm-hmm. And so like that's another thing. Also also disaster piece. Uh he does he did the music for Hyperlight Drifter and Mini Metro and a bunch <gasps> of other things. Yeah. Uh I would never be able to write that stuff. It's just it's just very different from what I do. Part of also why I love the charity album is that you give everyone one word to work with. Uh, and so the it's like a game jam, but no game. And so then like the first album was Midnight, but my my favorite album so far was Dust, which is the second year that we mm-hmm. did it. And I wrote some cowboy shit. Like I wrote music <laughs> that I thought was like, this is kind of Borderlands-y. And it's like, I called it Bandit Wasteland. Another friend of mine wrote this like, beautiful introspective song that like i legitimately cried listening to partially because it made me think of my ex um and uh and then other like someone recorded a vacuum cleaner and made a song out of that someone else made like dancing on starlight and it was like this sort of stardust thing and and someone made this glitch punk because like oh yeah it's like dust is so minute it's i'm gonna make this song like 113.32 bpm or something ridiculous and like i just think that it's beautiful to be able to hear stuff that people write that I would never be able to come up with in a million years. That's Everyone does amazing. things so differently. Yes, I love it. And we're we're going to start the new album soon because it's every February. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, right now we're doing voting. And so it's kind of fun to see how the votes are turning out. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like go time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what people come up with. And I I really hope that we can keep doing this every year because it's it's honestly one of my favorite things just hearing people write stuff and and also a lot of people i've never met before find yeah. their way into this project and so then i just discover all sorts of stuff that i never would have heard that's so cool so what you said that you don't write like the ambient kind of music like that side of it so when you write music, do you think of it as like it needs to be like a loop, something that could be endless, or is it like Oh, a... for sure. Well, okay. unless unless it is specifically a thing that doesn't need to be looped, then yes. 100% okay. does the song need to loop, and I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> Even before I was a composer, and it's fun, a fun fact, I never learned how to compose music. I was never trained. I went to music school to be a teacher, um, but... Yeah, I just learned composing just with my intuition, really. And so, like, a lot of things that I have, like, my my spicy, spicy take is that the Mario Galaxy soundtracks are not the the greatest thing ever. I, I might get pitchforks, but I remember <laughs> a distinct memory of Mario Galaxy 2, and you're playing the first level, and you're, wow, look at the, the physics, it's so fun, brand new adventure. And this mm-hmm. song has, like, this really big buildup and it's like this sort of this growing and growing and it's like this really big orchestral thing and it has this big cadence into it's like dun dun and it's like it feels like it's a final thing and then it kind of like dies down into this soft little solo but also because I like to explore and and dick around in 3D spaces I like to I just could subconsciously count this oboe interlude out of this big cadence nine times and it was driving me crazy and it pulled me out of the gaming experience in a way that was just like you can have big orchestral stuff, but also like if it is too cadential and there are like really distinct moments, then mm-hmm. I will lose my mind and and want to throw something. Uh, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> I'm sorry. But most of the time, 
songs need to loop there are sometimes a distinct opening mm -hmm. and then so say there's like a head and yeah. then you will have like the body of the song and then somewhere from the body it needs to loop back to the top of the body so the intro might not happen again um mm -hmm. but like you still need to have a song loop some way somehow and if the loop is too short which is something that i sometimes struggle with because i'm mm -hmm. like where do i go now and then i'm like what if i just bring it back to the top and i'm like oh no but then i just hear this over and over and over again and i lose my mind <laughs> um so if the loop is too short you can run into problems quickly and so then also you have to account for how long is a player going to hear this oh one of my biggest self-criticisms is that the kind loop is honestly kind of short but at the same time if it was any longer i don't think i could have done it because Another tricky thing about layers is that mm -hmm. each layer has to have constant activity so that when it comes in, you can hear it. If there's a big gap yeah. in the middle, you wouldn't necessarily know if a new layer comes in. That um, and so that was really difficult to deal with. Lately, thankfully, it's like, okay, so this, the player is going to hear this music for approximately four to five minutes. If the song loop is like one minute and 48 seconds, you will hear it loop about like two and a half times. And if the mm -hmm. loops, if the seam is not like bad, it should be fine. Mm -hmm. It should be fine. But now I'm like getting hit with a potential like a player might be in this space for 20 minutes. And now I have to think, well, what do I do? Because this is this is very different from everything I've written before it mm -hmm. for this specific project. And I'll have to figure out a way that at least sound somehow is prevalent. And, and if there is music, like, how do I shift it in and out? Because that's, I, I've now had to completely change my way of thinking for this one project. And so that's that's been an interesting conundrum, I guess. How do you judge, like, how long a player is going to be in that space? Like, is, do the designers have to kind of, like, give you those numbers so that you can? So if it's a fixed level, um, so for one thing I'm working on, it's, like, okay, you start the level and then there's an end of the level and you move forward. And so like, let's say with Whisker Squadron, it's a flying game in a corridor and you're, you're flying forward the whole time mm -hmm. and, and enemies coming around and then there's a boss at the end. And so that has a pretty good idea of like, how long is a level? You're mm -hmm. moving forward the whole time. And so you don't have to really account for like player hangout forever and forever in a certain yeah. place. With, uh, let's say you have like, Let's say it's a Mario game, you know, you have a start mm -hmm. and end, but like your time in that level is not necessarily deterministic. It's it, it, it's more deterministic, I should say, based off the player. One might just hang around and hang back. And so in that case, you can have a rough idea of how long it takes for a player to go through a level. But also you still have to account for like a player hanging around for huh. a while. And so like, let's say a, a, a level is estimated to be like, four minutes but it, they might also hang out for like eight minutes and so like in that case i could still write a loop that is my style of music where it's like okay you have the energy of like a, of a song that's happening in the background and doesn't need to be ambient i don't really need to to account for like players like needing having a lot of dead time and then like kind of like discovering new things like okay there's mm -hmm. still an ending start and finish so i can write a song Maybe I want it to be longer than like a minute and 40 seconds. Like in that case, maybe like a two and a half minute loop is is more suitable to a song that will happen over and over again, but not not in a way that like players will get mad about. I think most of the time, yeah. a, if a loop is subtle, 
you don't really notice it. It's it's fine. It's only when mm. when there are really really distinct moments in a song and 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 or it builds in a way that like things stick out. Mm-hmm. Um, or if the loop is just like kind of choppy because there's like a technical thing where it's like, oh, if your notes have a reverb tail and then the mm-hmm. loop of it doesn't have that reverb tail, it will be noticeable, unfortunately. And so you have to print it in a way that it can not have those issues and it wow. can be more seamless. That makes sense. Like the way you explain it makes perfect sense to me because I am all, I am one of those players that will just like explore fucking everything in an area. So like oh, same. I hear the like, I don't know. I'm obviously not as sensitive to it as you are, but like I hear that. I hear when the loops are happening and I know like if a new song is coming or whatever and it just kind of fades into the background. If it's well done, you don't exactly. really like pay attention to it. So that makes perfect sense to me. So you said that you never got trained as a composer. So you went to school for music education how did you get into game music? How did that happen? I failed teaching. <laughs> okay, okay. I failed student <laughs> teaching, and then I did general teaching to try and get better, and then I almost failed that, and I burned out, and I was lost for the first time since, like, eighth grade. I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Oh, wow. And uh in the program that I did that I burned out during right before it finished, some people were like looking for a composer and a sound designer, another programmer. And I was like, I've literally never done this before, but like, I'll give it a shot. And, and it was a passion project of these two guys who are friends Mm -hmm. and and they have day jobs, they have families. So it was like not a super stressful thing. And I kind of knew them through a community that I was in for a game that we, that we all played. But I, I never really wrote much music. I tried to write music beforehand, like in high school, and, and it didn't mm-hmm. sound very good, to be honest. So honestly, I didn't really write stuff, but I was like, literally, what do I have to lose? I sang a song idea into my phone. I r- transcribed it out. They liked it, and then they kept giving more music. And as I wow. was doing this, I came across videos by Akash the Car, how to freelance and game audio, and... I thought, what do I have to lose my whole life? People were telling me, if you like video games and music so much, why do you write music for video games? And you can't <laughs> just do that. It's really hard. But yeah, I had nothing to lose. Well, I, it sounds like you've learned so much since then, too. Yeah. <laughs> I've, it's uh, I'm going on five years now. Uh, this is wow. going to be my fifth year in the industry, which is simultaneously like it doesn't feel like a lot of time, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've squeeze a lot of a lot of juice out of this lemon and <laughs> i got i i've i've learned a lot of things and i've done a lot of stuff and not a lot of time partially because there was really nothing else to do my alternative was to be a bass trombone performance major and i'm not i was good at my peak i wasn't mm-hmm. good enough to be the best and to win mm-hmm. auditions that were like hyper competitive it was yeah yeah so with indie video game music there are so many games and sure it can be really hard to find stuff and it can be really hard to get started. I remember how hard it was. And I think, I think honestly people kind of don't necessarily realize how not that long ago that was for me where like people didn't know me two years ago. Not really. Mm-hmm. People didn't know me three years ago, even though I like had a game out. Yeah. It was only only within the past couple of years have I, I, I feel like I started to really gain traction, at least among peers. And mm-hmm. I still think that like on a consumer level, a lot of consumers don't know who I am. 
the mm-hmm. industry, people know me because I am a ridiculous person that networks for like 20 hours every week. Jesus. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if it's not painfully obvious. I'm an extreme extrovert and I miss friendship. <laughs> so I and, 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 and I used to hate networking before the games industry, but in the games industry is just like Smash Brothers. And now you're friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just talk about games that you like or you know also some of my favorite conversations have nothing to do with video games Mm -hmm. just not talking about work is really nice (sighs) what's you said it's really hard to get into game audio if somebody is looking to get into game audio what's like your number one piece of advice that you'd give them subscribe to my youtube channel and (laughs) follow my (laughs) newsletter because i talk about it there but um Uh, okay i i would say for for a more practical thing for people listening i would say the most important thing is to know that one it is hard if you want it to work you're gonna have to stick with things and that doesn't mean that you have to drop everything else like i once was working four jobs at the same time and this was after kind came out too so like even after my first quote unquote like big success Mm -hmm. i was working at costco and pushing shopping carts and Mm -hmm. doing an after school program and teaching trombone on the side and game audio wow it's not easy to make it work. And I, I think that if you could do anything else that's stable and secure and you're afraid of the constant possibilities of like the ups and downs of freelancing, you might not necessarily stick it out. There are a lot of people that I know that like try and then they pivot and that's fine. That's totally normal and fine. And I and I think that it's really smart for people to pivot out of things if that's if it's not working. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of like, you have to stick with it. And then also for me, I was learning how to write music and then I got better and I was just learning all the time. Um, yeah. The other thing I guess is you will never be quote unquote ready enough. So you might as well just do it now. Because like, if you are trying to wait until you're ready to do something, that mm-hmm. time will never come and you will wait forever. And so you just have to force yourself to to do things that you don't feel like you're ready to do. Mm-hmm. And and you will through that get better and then reach the standard that you think you will have. But there's always that arbitrary, I'm not good enough yet. Mm-hmm. So between sticking with it and pushing yourself forward and learning constantly, those are some of the biggest things I have to offer as mm-hmm. my advice for today, at least. I think that's super applicable, like not just in game audio, but I would imagine any kind of like creative endeavor you want to get into or or anything like that. Um, I I love that you just said, like, you're never going to actually be ready. Like, you're right. I'm not ready to do this podcast and I'm 15 episodes in. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know Jack about shit. And I have an award. Nice. A plus. (laughs) I don't know. I like I I both am very serious and joking about when I say like, I don't know anything. I honestly don't know a lot of things. And that's Mm -hmm. okay because like everyone, you know, knows something that you don't. And when you think of all of the people, you know, and all the combined information that they know in, in comparison, you know, nothing, but, but as an individual, every single person has their specialty, and things that they don't know. And Mm -hmm. you, if not now, you will at least start to develop more. And so over time, I have 
developed, I guess, my own expertise of like, here's how I write music. This is like my specialty because it's my thing that I do, mm -hmm. uh, specifically with how I write music. But also my specialty is networking because I'm I'm ridiculous and I do so much <laughs> and people know me for that. And so that became my specialty too. But that doesn't mean that I know everything about everything. I'm, I don't know everything about like biz dev. I don't know how to code. Mm -hmm. I'm not really known to do implementation much. I've done very, very little. Yeah. Um, all of my sound design is very musical. Mm -hmm. So like I don't do Foley very much. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of things that I like in game dev, like a lot of people know, and sometimes I get self-conscious, but it, the the thing is like everyone is that way. And yeah. you just have to kind of lean into that knowing like, okay, what's up gamers? I'm a fraud and <laughs> uh, we're all frauds. And because of that, like, you know, I'm here and I belong. Oh, because we're all frauds that we're all here and it's okay. Like yeah. that's how it be. That's fine. That's fine. That's that's honestly super advice. I love that. On that note, we do have to cut to another commercial break. So we're going to do that. Um, when we get back, I want to talk to you more about networking, Miss Networking Pro over here. So stay tuned. Hey, podcasters and content creators. Question for you. Are you reaching as many people as you want to? You invest time and money to produce the highest quality content you possibly can. But by creating content in only one language, you limit your reach to only the audiences who know that language. I want to introduce you to Victor Voice, a tool that can help you reach a bigger audience by creating audio in multiple languages. Victor Voice is a new subscription software that lets you transcribe, translate, and voice audio in multiple languages. It's easy to use, fast, and accurate. Go to www.victorvoice.co to sign up for your free trial today. No credit card required. That's victorvoice.co. We are back on replay. So we're about to hear more from Chell Wong, who's a game music composer and sound designer about networking and maybe some more about freelancing in the video game industry. So Chell has described herself as a networking pro. That's one of her specialties. So Chell, what is networking? Why is it important? So in my opinion, networking is just making connections with people that are real. I like to think about, this might sound weird, but a lot of networking and freelancing advice is like dating advice. Um, <laughs> if you, you know, let's say you saw a guy at a bar and he was talking to every single person trying to get their number, like, seems kind of skeevy, yeah. right? Yeah. A guy trying to go home with anyone is probably going to go home with no one. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, if you take the time to get to know someone and also like, especially over time, like you will build a real connection. And I'm not saying date people in the industry. I, <laughs> I, I try not to, and I'm very bad at that. But the basic thing is that you want to spend the time to like get to know people mm -hmm. and know who they are and what they like and what their interests are. And of course, do you have mutual interests with them? And for me, I, I just love friendship. I'm mm -hmm. a I'm a big slut for friendship. And yep. I just want to be friends with everyone and just get to know people better. And and some people like I don't click with everyone. That's just life. But yeah, I just feel like over time I get closer with people. And 
if you're an introvert, that's fine. I know I learned networking from an introvert and have taken a lot of advice and just some of it works for me and some of it doesn't. And you, you a lot learned of things it I from did. an introvert. Yeah. As I mentioned before, Akash Sakar's videos on how to freelance as uh, oh. in game audio, he has said himself, he's an introvert. He's just very efficient. I am not. Um, <laughs> I will do group Zoom calls until the cows come home because I like hanging out with people and friends. That's fair. Um, That's fair. And so some people like to do one-on-one -on -one calls and, and just get to know people that way. And, and it can be very daunting. But for me, it's like, if you're brand new, the easiest thing you can do is to join your local community's online space. And so I used okay. to run Game Audio Boston. I used to be more active in the Boston community, I guess, when it was in person. But there's still very much a thriving online space. So if you're in the Boston area, uh, you can find several of our Boston meetups either through Twitter or meetup.com. We have one account that's like the Boston game dev meetup scene. Mm -hmm. And we have like many events that we push through this one account. So maybe you're from like Michigan. I don't know. There's probably some <laughs> form of like Michigan game dev scene. If you're maybe like specific, like, oh, like here's the Detroit game dev scene. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not from Michigan. But I can at least say that this is this is the case for Boston. And from there, you can join a community because like by just like the proximity of like, oh, like I am from this area. You, mm -hmm. You're like kind of like, oh, I belong, quote unquote. Um, You've already got something in common with them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and here I am also in like Seattle's game audio discord and Australia game dev and like in some <laughs> UK servers. And I ain't from there. I've never been Australia. <laughs> But I, I just weasel my way into various places. Also, for me, I am game audio. I have many, many game audio Discord servers. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there are other things like I'm in POC and play and uh, trans game dev Discord. And there's a lot of like much smaller communities too. Like I have met a lot of people and they have much smaller communities that are more tight knit and, mm -hmm. and they're kind of communities that you can know like literally everyone in them. And those are like really nice. Yeah. I'm, and uh, everyone has their own specialties. I cannot keep up with text channels at all, but I love hanging out in voice and video, especially mm -hmm. like being able to see my friends' faces and get to know yeah. them better that way. But I will never, ever, ever be able to keep up with a text channel that has more than like, honestly, more than like 10 people is like too many for me. Like, yeah. unless I'm like really active in that server, which is not many. Yeah, that that's that's about where I cap out to. <laughs> Can't keep up with the messages. No. So, so how... How do you network? So you said first step was like kind of getting yourself into like that local community or whatever. But like, what else do you do to network? I mean, you spend 20 hours a week doing it. So yeah, in person, it used to not, I, I would go to five to six meetups in person back in the day, which is still more than most people do. And I would go and see these talks and pay attention to these talks as best as I can, but I'm ADHD and narcoleptic. And so I try my best not to fall asleep. And then I would just hang out and talk to people afterwards. And then sometimes people would be like, hey, we're going to go to the bar and get some food. And like I drive, so I would never drink, but I would just mm -hmm. go and get a water and 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 be like socialize. Yeah, I would <laughs> hang out and drink water and talk to friends and well, more like I would make friends through that process. And mm -hmm. every meetup, I try to meet at least one new person and only within like the year before the pandemic, there's only like one or two meetups that I like didn't meet anyone new. But I would always at least meet like one new person up until that point, which is pretty good considering that I was like five to six meetups every month for two and a half ish years. And so then at some point in person, people are like, you know, everyone. I'm like, I do. <laughs> then when it happened online, I, I struggled at first to pivot because I it's, it's OK. You know, 
I, I have friends that are specialized because like people who live in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. get really good at like posting on social media and building a following that way. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of energy and effort for me to make a small video. Uh, I can do it, but it's like I can sit in a Zoom for 12 straight hours. And if that <laughs> sounds crazy to you, it is. But I can do that. But I can't make videos every day. That is too much yeah. work for me. I can't do that. Um, yeah. So whatever you specialize in, figure that out and lean into it. I like to hang out in Zoom rooms where you get to know people over time. If it's like a weekly thing, uh, I used to do something that was weekly and now it's monthly. And so I went from seeing friends every week to 12 times a year and that's depressing. Uh, <laughs> oh, but then through that, I that also, <laughs> I know I, I have, I have crippling FOMO, which is partially how I just never left the Zoom. Um, <laughs> with Discord's also like, let's say they have organized meetings that are like every Every month we do a thing through that. You can meet some people. And if you like really get to know people, you might find your way into like private servers. And, and then there are like industry people through that. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that like you should necessarily go for that, but that's just kind of like the natural evolution of things. I think where you mm -hmm. make friends, I think, I think I have people in the games industry. I consider legitimately very good friends and I have trusted them as my confidants and I've told them stuff and, and, and it's nice to be able to have friends in the industry. I also think it's nice to have mm -hmm. friends outside of the industry that you don't have to share bullshit with. But yeah, it's, it's just over time. Like, this is a process. I've mm -hmm. been doing this for five years and I have been so consistent with it because it's something that I know I can do. Mm -hmm. If if you cannot do it every week, that's fine. Try and do it once a month. Mm -hmm. And if you can't well, do that once a month, then figure out something else that you can do. But just try and stick with something either with online presence or meeting new people or both. I like that you said when you go to these meetups, your goal was just to leave with one more friend, basically. And I think I think the way at least I was taught like what networking is in school, that's not at all it. It was like, just go meet people and like talk to them for, I don't know, like you go to a job fair and you talk to somebody at the job fair for like 10 minutes, maybe if you even get that much time with them. And like, that's how schools would teach me like yeah. networking. That's how you, like, that's not realistic. But if I Games went in- industry is different. Yeah. Because everyone's a nerd. Also <laughs> an important thing is like, I would see the people I met last time and then I'd say hi to them again. And so then you just build that bond. Yeah, for sure. And you make sure. it stronger over time. Um, well, you're you're interested in them as a person, not like yeah. what they can give you, which I think exactly. is another huge difference from the way like I've been taught, at least. If you treat interactions with other people as transactional, they will not trust you. And mm. and in my experience, friends ask friends for favors, friends ask friends for help. And if you're not if you don't trust someone, <laughs> you're not friends with them. Mm -hmm. But obviously it's not just friends. Like I'm like, okay, like in the future, I will need to ask a pianist and I have friends in mind, but if they are not available, then like I will find people that I trust. If someone's like, hey, do you know a 3D modeler? I sure do. Let me figure <laughs> out out of my friends who's available for work and and I can forward them to you. And so like friends of friends is another thing, too. Mm -hmm. And so just like it's time you wish if I started X years ago, I would be where I am. I'd be blah, blah, blah place now. But you start when you're ready is kind of where I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's like a nice way of like kind of sticking your feet in the ground and, and not losing yourself. Like, all right, I, I'm starting here now. I'm moving forward. And if you just as long as you take a little step forward each time, you're never really going backwards, at least. So 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So like you said, you learned from an introvert, but like networking in general seems to be easier for extroverts. So what would your advice be to somebody that's introverted? That's trying to like, you know, build up their network. If you find an extrovert that is willing to scoop you up under their arm, they will introduce you to their friends. And <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, oh, I do that to everyone I know. Oh, you're an introvert. You'd like this person. I'm just going to whoop. <laughs> yeah. Like I am very extroverted. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are introverts. And if like I'm at a hangout, let's say I'm at a hangout and I'm like, yo, shit, here's my friend. And then like another friend comes by like, oh man, friend, friend. Uh, Yo, have you two met? And then like blah and then like introduce them that way and it's yeah. easy and then your friends now know each other and and then it's hype <laughs> <laughs> so okay so if you're introverted uh find your token extrovert <laughs> honestly <laughs> like yeah and, and also like i have a friend who he goes to network he talks to like one person and then leaves after like 15 minutes oh he can yeah and it works for him like he he goes he shows up he's there he says hi to some people briefly um, mm -hmm. He doesn't stick around too long, but enough to like, you know, like say hi and then maybe meets one person or like has a specific person that he wants to meet at this meetup. Like some people do their research. A lot of really efficient networkers will do their research at who's going to be in an event or who's going to be given a oh. talk and then scheduling a time with them to like meet them. And and then like, oh, I see that you're going to this blah, blah, blah. Hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. I would like to meet you. Would you like to meet over coffee or lunch or something? And then mm -hmm. they do that and it's efficient. And then they chill out. And they and they spend their time away from other people. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I have made a bunch of plans. I don't know what I'm actually going to do. And then a friend scoops me up and says, hey, we're going to do this other thing you haven't heard about. Or like, you know, we're just all going to go to like karaoke. And I'm like, I love karaoke. And now I'm singing and I have no voice for the next day. So but you I, I just, yeah. And, and so I, I am inefficient and slow. Other people are very efficient because they need to be because they don't have the social battery for that. And mm -hmm. they are very good at meeting specific people that they want to make connections with and then building that connection over time, maybe over email or whatever. But for me, I'm just like the wind takes me where it takes me and I <laughs> want to say hi to everyone, especially nowadays when like in person, meet, uh, when in person conferences come back and also hopefully like with without like a pandemic stopping yeah. me from hugging my friends, I want to just hug all of the friends that I've made online. Like I've met, Aww. I think I've met like between 500 and 800 people online lately. Wow. Something stupid. Uh, well, that is very stupid. That's like stupid with two O's. Stupid with three O's. Three O's. You right. You right. Yeah. I'm gay. I do the doot doots and I'm stupid with three O's and I love my friends. <laughs> so what, um, I know this is something that like has come up. So a lot of the game spaces are like you mentioned that there's like a trans game dev like discord that you're in and like some other stuff. So like what's the difference between like interacting or trying to network in a space that's curated like that versus like an open forum? Like anybody could talk to somebody at a conference, right? Yeah, I think if you're in a curated space, you have a higher chance of connecting with someone quickly, just like in my experience. Trans people gravitate towards other trans people because it's easy to not have to explain things or deal with stuff or be afraid of like certain judgments. Mm -hmm. And you can also be there for each other where it's like, I'm feeling stressed out because shoe shopping is a nightmare. And, <laughs> you know, you'll have people who can be like, oh, yeah, I understand. And and so, or sort of like that. In my early, early days, I joined a big ass Discord server. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was good because there was a game jam 
and I participated and I have a friend that I'm still friends with now and I've never met him in person. He's in Spain. Uh, oh, wow. and, and we did like two or three game jams together. I don't think either of us have ever made money, but it's like it's still nice to have a person like that. And, mm -hmm. and it was nice to have a space like that where I could just ask a bunch of audio questions and learn because I didn't know shit back then. Yeah. Things change over time. I don't really go to those servers anymore, but I, I, I still am in those largely so I can invite other people who are like brand new and like, well, I need anything, something. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, here's at least a nice place to like start, start anything. And yeah. maybe you will connect with someone in there. I don't know. I have one friend from a massive server, but I just think that like those are really helpful to like learn things, especially if mm -hmm. it's like for your discipline. Like my audio servers are great for sharing information and helping give feedback and asking for advice. Yeah. So yeah, I think if it's a smaller community and it's curated and it's based off of, you know, special demographics, whether it's location or gender mm -hmm. or, you know, race, then you have a higher chance of connecting with people over things. But all in all, it's still just kind of random, I suppose. <laughs> That's interesting. Because like I, I hear a lot, especially in like podcasting and media, people talk about like, I don't know, like mailing lists and stuff like that that you can get on. But it's so like it's all invite only. So it's like curated, but not curated. Like it's not very intentional, I feel like. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of different kinds of networking spaces out there. And I guess that's, it's kind of hard to figure out which ones are worth going after in some ways. I am stupid. So I go after everything, but so like I have a hundred discord servers and I don't have nitro. So whenever I want to join a new one, I have to leave an old one. And oh my God. And that forces you to figure out which of the things are not working for me. Like, what am I not actually active in and what do I not actually care about? If something's working for you, then stick with it. I found a online networking thing for Zoom, and mm -hmm. that was like the highest value networking that I ever had, and it was free. And I'm like, this is gold. I will do this all the time. And, yeah. and it paid off. And if something like that doesn't work for you, then don't 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 squeeze blood from a stone. It's not gonna it's not gonna help. Yeah. So I just think that over time you will find your groove and it will be easier and things will make sense. And once you start knowing people, like the snowball will roll and things will, will start to get more straightforward. You don't need to be yeah. like me and meet a thousand people in the industry. But if you at least have some strong links, that will go a long way. Having a few strong links is better than having a bunch of weak links. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think I'm out of questions for now. So at this point in the conversation, I think I'm just going to ask you, like, what's your last thing that you want to say to the listeners out there? I believe that if you really want something to work out, you can do what it takes to make it work. I got to here because I got really lucky. I won't pretend I have been very lucky in my last few years of being on this planet things were really hard for me beforehand and things just didn't really work out like i said i tried to do education and it didn't really work out and i finally feel like i'm in the place that i really want to be now and i got really lucky but i also got really lucky because i rolled the dice a lot i went to a bunch of networking events and it took me about five to six months of going to five to six meetups every month 
to find my first contract. And I was doing game jams too at that time. And、wow. so I have a lot of advice in video form because I, it's like really easy to be like when people ask me the same questions, I just be like, I got a video for that. But love that. Love that so、um, much. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so easy to just say, Hey, I already have this video. But I, I do think that like if you're ever feeling stressed or you're feeling like you're struggling, like that's normal.、Mm-hmm. Everyone is going through that kind of always. Like I'm in a pretty good place right now, but who knows where I'll be in six months? Who knows where I'll be next year?、Mm-hmm. Um, Because I'm a freelancer and that's just kind of the name of the game. And don't worry, as long as you have other people that you can connect with and that you trust, you'll find that you're all in this together. I had a group of other freelance composers and we all were roughly in the same place at the same time.、Mm-hmm. And we were all there to support each other as we climbed our way up. And people are in good places now. Like one of the first people I ever met in the industry, his dream job was to be a sound designer at Riot. And、Ooh. he went to Respawn Entertainment and worked on a Star Wars game and then left to go to Riot as a sound designer. And then he reached that dream and then he went back to Respawn.、Oh. Um, and that was like some, one of the first people I met. And over time, things will get easier and things will make more sense. And as long as you have people to rise up with and help pick you up when you're down and you pick them up when they're down, you'll all move forward pretty well together. I love that. Friendship. Friendship. Okay. Okay. So, on that note, you said you have video things. So, how do we find your stuff? How do we find your content? So, I'm at Chel Wong Audio. That's C H E L W O N G A U D I O. I'm there for Twitter and Instagram, mostly Twitter.、Um, I also have a link tree. My link tree has literally everything. You want my band camp? You want to listen to my music on Spotify? That's there. <laughs> my charity album's there, but also my YouTube video where I have freelancing advice on how to build a more sustainable and fulfilling career in the industry, as well、mm-hmm. as a newsletter that I, I push out articles. Those are two places that you can just get some advice over time. And、awesome. uh, I guess, you know, if you like my advice, you can also check out my Venmo. And there's a. <laughs> And then also my games. You can wishlist my games or, or check out Kine or other things like mini matches.、Uh, yeah. Those are on my link tree. So dope. All right. So I'm going to put your link tree for sure in the credits with your name and shit and your Twitter handle. And we'll see if some people reach out and make friends with you. Yeah. On Twitter, I give advice and I shit post and say I'm gay. Yay. That's a lot like my Twitter. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> let's go, gamers. Okay.、Uh, on that note, Shell, thank you so much for coming on my show with me. This was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun talking to you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find episodes of Replay and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Replay is a VMG original and is created, hosted, and produced by Clara Mount. The show's executive produced by JB Adams and Gerard Mitchell with sound design by Anna Hughes and original music by Bison. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite social channels and check out Bison's other tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Extra special thanks to all my listeners for hanging out with us today. Keep on playing, and remember, you're always welcome at this game table. <laughs>